I think this is going to be our most redundant episode ever because is there really anyone in the world who hasn't watched this fucking movie yet? Because we're talking movies. We're talking Avatar, The Way of Water, starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saladana, and Sigourney Weaver. Screenplay by Amanda Silver, Rick Jaffa, and James Cameron, who always directed. Chris, why so blue? The Way of Water connects all things before your birth and after your death. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Uh, and just to correct Scott, uh, when he says, you know, has, is there anybody who hasn't seen it? Well, considering it's made $2 billion and there's 8.5 billion people, there's a whole lot of people that still need to see it. That's right. We're talking about Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Take us away, Scott. Mississippi <laughs> just dance. Um, okay. Do you remember that Rusty Snipes movie, Passenger 57? Always bet on black. Yeah, I think we need to update the quote to always bet on Cameron. Always bet on blue. It, no, Cameron. But before before we get Cameron's actually not a talk, color, so that doesn't really the work in up. the game of roulette. But blue's not even... Like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Like, <laughs> Trying to act all smart. Uh, okay, before we get into the film, I wanted to have a little discussion about the man himself. Like, let's talk Cameron. Yeah, the man here's from Capus my... Casing himself, James Cameron. Okay, so here's my question. I think we discussed this in our first episode ever when we did Aliens, but... Um, Game when over, this... man! Game over! How much fucking drugs did you do before <laughs> this episode? <laughs> I just watched Aliens last night uh, at the movie theater, and I want to talk about it too. So I'm glad that we're uh, we're talking about James Cameron right away. So I've got okay. I've got Bill Paxton kind of on the mind. Okay, so here's my thing: when all is said is when everything's all said and done, where do you think um, Cameron's going to fall in the echelon of like greatest directors of all time? Hmm, that's a that's an interesting question because so I was looking at his filmography, and it's funny. Like I know a lot of his work. I don't love it. It's not my favorite. Uh, what, what's your favorite James man- Cameron film? Hold on, hold. But what, what, what's your favorite James Cameron film? Well, that, we already discussed this. It's T2, is it still? Is it but, still T two? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's still T two. But um, the man has never directed a flop. Like I thought for sure. Like because when I thought up with this question, I'm like, I'm gonna do some research. I thought for sure. I'm like, fucking the abyss, a movie about water that comes to life, flop. And then I look, and I'm like, nope, made a profit. What about uh, like, what about Piranhas 2? That one doesn't count, though. Is that because he was, like, second unit director, or he got put his director at kind of uh, when they had to yeah, fire like someone? Yeah, like, right at the very end. And he doesn't even, I don't even think he has an actual credit in that. He movie. just finished just, the film out. Yeah. So I don't think it counts as his filmography. And it's a B movie fucking movie, so it probably made money anyway. True. This is actually this is very true. 
it, how's he gonna so he's definitely like in the top like he's he's you know top 10 for sure whatever that whoever else is in that list so the only it's weird because he almost makes like steven spielberg size films you know what i mean big big spectacle like most of his films except for true eyes you know i mean a lot of them are these big kind of films you know aliens uh, T1 How the fuck is T2. True Lies not big? Well, I yeah, mean, the still, helicopter scene. Yeah, but I mean, com- I mean, compared to fucking Terminator Two, it's like a oh. might as well be a fucking indie. You know what I mean? Like the um, Jamie Lee Curtis strip scene. Like, come on, that's a big fucking. He's also always on the cutting edge of technology, right? Like he's he's <laughs> always pushing, pushing. I don't know. Would, would you? The only thing is that Spielberg has that I'd say that Cameron doesn't is Spielberg has more dramatic films. Again, obviously Schindler's List, but even even his storytelling and stuff like, you know, Indiana Jones and stuff like that. James Cameron, I I th- I think Spielberg, but but Spielberg doesn't do his writing, does he? He's just the director. James Cameron's doing his own writing. Ah, fuck, that's a really good question. I don't know. He's definitely I I'd say what, top 5? Top 6? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like cuz even like we've been doing this fucking show for for three years and you know sometimes this question always comes up right and we never bring him up you're you're always bringing up qt you're always bringing up yeah you can take that guy out but scorsese uh spielberg you're always bringing him up but yeah i started thinking i'm like this guy he's had such a consistent work but it could it be because in terms of, like, I think The Abyss is the only really dramatic movie, right? Mm. Everything else is action. He's like a theme park director. It's almost like the films are so big, they overshadow James Cameron. Like, like people know Titanic, but I bet you there are people that you'd be like, who's the director of Titanic? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, like it, there's so, the films are, they actually get Well, I so guess large. Titanic would be dramatic too, right? Yeah, well, it's melodrama, that's for sure. <laughs> I want you to draw me like the woman, Chris. Do you like my boobies? Do you like them? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger cut of uh, <laughs> the Titanic, go watch it. Go watch it now, and then get to the chopper. <laughs> all right, I could watch that so- shit all fucking day, man. I actually, I want to watch the whole movie like that. Anyways, um, okay, go ahead. So let's talk. So you wanted to talk Cameron and aliens first before we get into this. Well, I just, I mean, just go back to our first episode. I went to the movies last night and I got to watch alien Ridley Scott's alien and aliens back to back double feature at the picture show. Uh, it was fucking awesome, man. And it was packed. It was this, like, it's a repertory theater here in uh, Kitchener, Waterloo called the Apollo. Uh, thanks for putting it on by the way, the Apollo, um, it was so full. Like, I was like, I don't think I've actually seen the Apollo that full for a movie before. There was a fucking lineup. When I got there, I was like, how busy can it fucking be, right? Like, old ass movie. Nope, line up at the fucking door. I, I thought I wasn't going to get to see the goddamn movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. Um, Aliens. So first off, the original Alien also is still such a fantastic film. Like, go watch that if you if you haven't seen it recently. If you can see it on a big screen, do so. I love watching Aliens, though, on a big screen. Like, all those Bill Paxton quotes. You know what I mean? Like, and Sigourney Weaver is such a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? 
And she's a bad mm-hmm. motherfucker even in the original Alien. Like, if you go and watch the original Alien, if they would have just listened to Ripley's advice about not bringing the fucking dude with the shit on his face into the thing, everything would have been fine. Just listen to fucking, you know, Scorny Weaver, which she gives you good direction, just do that shit. So, uh, but yeah, and it still holds up. I mean, you can, now I'm kind of like, especially after seeing Avatar 2, you can kind of see the green screen shit and stuff. But because of James Cameron's directing and writing, his action sequences, the uh, the acting of, of like like having such a great cast and stuff, you're sort of like, eh, it's fine. Like, yeah, 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 the ship's like looking all fucking weird and stuff behind the, you know, 1980s green screen. But you don't care. It's like going back and watching Star Wars and seeing like the models flying around. You're like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I was so, going to say, was it a green screen in the 80s? Wasn't it just miniature work? Well, there's some stuff that looks like it's green screen. Like, you know, like the when Ripley's standing on the platform near the end and the fire is behind her. It, it looks like the old school Hollywood t- trick. I guess maybe not a green screen. It's a screen, you know, projecting fire. And then you're like, ah, ah. Uh, and for the audience, I'm I'm moving around like I'm on a like Star Trek, you know, like where they the, they just pretended because the set didn't move. So, okay, do you want to talk about Avatar okay. two? Yeah, let's talk. You start. So I went into this with lowered expectations because as as anybody who's listened to this podcast, I I don't like Marvel movies. I don't let all flying around. I I saw the original Avatar. I thought it was good, but I've only seen it once. I didn't rewatch it. Um, and so I went in with. You know, kind of like, oh, this is going to be a fucking three hour. I actually was talking to our producer about how I was like dreading because I had I had to finally go watch this movie and I was really not looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, it's like it's over three hours and it's like three hours and 18 minutes. So it's three hours and 12 minutes. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to get the D box seats that move. Uh, I'm going to get the 3D glasses and I'm just going to suffer through this movie. So I was fucking wrong. (laughs) The most immersive experience I've ever had cinematically. So let's just start there. So I just want your your first touch of this film, Scott. What was what was your takeaway? Because I was just in awe. Yeah, like I didn't do D box, but I obviously did 3D, and um, yeah, I don't know if it was just the theater I went to, but it was. Like to me, in terms of that, it was disappointing a little bit because I remember going. Which theater did you go to? Hold on, hold on. Just between you and I. uh, Yeah, Cineplex here at the. No, actually, no. uh, This one was Landmark. I went to Landmark for this one. See, you should have went to the Cineplex and got the D box, baby. Yeah. Uh, But this one, I was like, IMAX 3D. I'm like, oh, Mm. I'm going to go, like, fucking, you know, going to see it all. But yeah, it was. I just seemed it, it was. Just funny because I do remember when going to the first Avatar and watching that, and that's what captivated me. It wasn't the story, it wasn't that. It was I felt I was immersed in Pandora. Like I thought, technically, we're going into. Uh, You're going into going Pandora. Into yeah. yeah, and then so this one, it wasn't like that for me. I just felt that it was kind of. You know, just going to a regular 3D movie, like story wise, same here. I went in like every episode before this, when we discussed this movie, I had also lowered expectations. They surprised me with the story. Like it did captivate me a little bit. 
I do have a lot of questions, but my my first one, I think this one, to me, it wasn't more of a technology base that kind of went with it. I think it's the fact that he's going a writer's room approach with these movies. It's like he's taking the movie, um, like the TV approach and putting it into film. Like there is, I know I, I named off three people for screenplay, but there's like five or six people that actually have a story credit on this film. I just didn't want to do it on our fucking so, intro. So to explain that, what you're saying is that collaborative approach where you, like you said, like a, so a writer's room is where like you have a bunch of writers in a room and you just fucking have a whiteboard and you work out ideas and plot and stuff. That's what you're referring to, correct? Correct. Which most TVs is like TV shows. That's how it's unless you're, you know, Stephen Moffat, like in the BBC that does it all. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting that to me, I think that's kind of where he's films are going to go in the future it's going to have like 10 writers and then they're just going to each here's your one person's going to write the first arc one person's going to write the second one person's going to write the third and now it's a consecutive like film series where they can now make six sequels and cameron doesn't have to fucking worry about it so you felt less immersed in this story or in the individual in the film than you did in the first one i did I did. Interesting. That's but, really interesting. But also, like, in terms of, like... It's because you didn't just... have the D-Box seats, buddy. That's it. I, like... Yeah. I'm not going to lie. My kids did say, let's go D-Box. And, and, and listen, like... this is the reason, and you'll this will make sense to anybody who's seen it, is because then it's almost like you're on a ride into... What's it called? Navia, Naria, Narnia. Pandora. Or, Pandora. Fucking whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, the planet. The planet. It, is the planet called Pandora? It's Pandora, Pandora oh, okay. and they're called the Navi. That's it. The Navi. Not Narnia. Uh, that's a different movie and book series. Uh, sorry, C.S. Lewis. Because um, so you're like when you're flying across the water, when you're on the the seats that move, you're even that gentle rocking back and forth and stuff. It makes you it, it immerses you in the film like it just it's again, it's like being on a three hour Disney ride, um, which I, I mean, I think Disney actually released it. So I guess that's a little yeah. bit of uh, a <laughs> shout out a... to the, the parent corporation. They have an Avatar ride in Disney World. Um, but here's the thing. I know they're making five of these, but this is what I want. I want the prequel. I, I want the first, like, humans going to this planet. Because I want to know in terms of, and this is a spoiler to the plot of this film. I just want to know who the first human that killed the big whale is and decided to suck out their brains to find out that is eternal youth like where that process came from that's what i wanted so this is so okay so i actually got super misty eyed watching this movie because even though the animals are like fictitious like they're, they're not real animals and they're a computer generated not real animal the emotion that that james cameron is able to give you between these creatures when they get killed in you know awful fight whether they're shot or brain sucked out or whatever it fucking sucks man like i found those moments traumatic like watching someone kick their dog or something like i was like i don't i don't want to watch this part that's how well it was done 
Like that to, to be able to create that kind of emotional connection with essentially like a computer image, I thought was a fucking such a testament to his writing and the quality and the quality because they're so they're rendered so well. I mean, aren't they shooting at like, so normal film is like 24 frames per second. They're doing like 75 or 90 frames per second or something. So everything looks real. Like you stop feeling like you're in uh, a computer generated film. Like you, you forget about that fact. It feels like the, the characters, the blue people and stuff like that are just, that's what they are. Like it, it is, it is so well done in that manner that it allows you to just be in the film that that was my takeaway on it yeah like in terms of like come on give it credit sigourney weaver is what like how old is she uh probably 60 something but she plays a fucking teenager very well like it's believable well isn't she just voice acting <laughs> they no had... it's all motion capture they're all motion capture. So she was doing that fucking acting. She was wait. Doing so they didn't all. get like a. So I thought I was. I thought what they did is had a child, like a teenager or whatever. Actually, no, she was the youngest one. A child actor, and then her voice over top. No, to my understanding, she did all the motion mocap too. Oh wow! I thought she just did the mocap where she laid in the capsule. <laughs> no. But yeah, like there's. There's um, like you can tell that they're planting seeds for the sequel, right? So you know it keeps people captivated, and I think well now there won't be like how many years again was it between the two? Sigourney Weaver like, is seventy three according to our producer. Holy fuck! Yeah, so there you go. So between Avatar, I was gonna say between Avatar one, so two thousand nine. Now there, yeah, there won't be that big of a gap between this one and the well, third one. Well, I the third one the comes third out next year, I believe. Twenty twenty four, yeah. Well, we're in twenty twenty three, so that would be next year. No, I get what you're saying, but I'm just saying twenty twenty four. Yeah, like now they're going like the Disney Star Wars route, where they had like a, a so, Star Wars film every other so year. So on the topic of the that. sequel, okay, so there's all this. There was all the conversation about. So the the budget I have is four hundred and sixty million for part two but because they shot part three and i think parts of part four it's got something like a 1.5 billion dollar price tag right for all three of those or whatever right um so that's where that so there there was that statement from james cameron being like it's got to be in the top what top four top grossing films of all time so it's done two billion as of uh now which puts it, I think, at number six for highest grossing. And I, it's, it's still still going. Um, but that makes me wonder, okay, so if their upfront costs other than marketing are already done, does that mean that like three, let's say, let's say they throw a $300 million marketing budget on it. Does that mean everything over $300 million is fucking white meat? Like it's pure profit? Because they've already done those upfront costs. So like part three could basically just bring in like, if it, let's say it doesn't do the two billion, that's like one point five billion dollars in profit. Are you yeah. still there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, man, I didn't know we we're a math fucking podcast. But, <laughs> but, but just yeah. the idea that like, I, I was yeah. just like in my head calculating your numbers. I'm like, okay, so he's saying this, saying this. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, quite possibly, and I know he he joked around after 
and that's the thing that I love about Cameron, right? Like before this movie came out, it was like it's not to be watched at home. This is the movie to watch at streaming. Now in it's theater, in theater, in theater, not yeah, on yeah, streaming. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this is the movie to watch in theaters, right? Like, and then, but now that it hits the two billion bar mark, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to watch it at home when it comes out on Disney Plus, that's fine. Like, you don't have to go to the theaters anymore because he knows he's already. <laughs> Everybody's already watching the theater. Uh, and I mean, for Disney, if they then go have like a bazillion subscribers, you know, even for a month to just to watch, uh, watch it on Disney Plus, it's the same money. It's still Disney money. And then they still go, hey, baby, you got us fucking the mouse got more money because of you. Uh, so let's keep making your fucking movies. Um, yeah, but does it with, with those numbers, is it based off of? the already subscribers who watch it or any new subscribers that they get. Well, Disney will have all it. those metrics, right? Like they'll be able to tell. So avatar two drops, how many people are watching it in general, they'll be able to see if there's this massive uptick. So you drop avatar two and there's a massive uptick in subscribers. They're going to be able to correlate those things together. Right? So any content that drives you to the platform, because again, you have to go what I think a minimum of a month, that's that's gravy. They've already. I mean, the upfront costs are done. Like it's all profit at this point for Disney. So they're doing really well. Um, how do you? How far do you think it'll go? Like I said, it's set up about two billion now. Uh, the original Avatar is the highest grossing film of all time. Not calculated for inflation. Calculated for inflation. It's still um, gone with the wind. <laughs> Something like calculated for inflation. Gone with the wind is like three billion. Because like literally the entire United States watched that film. Multiple times in a theater. Um, interesting side. Yeah, but yeah, didn't it do like a tour or whatever, right? Yeah. In which it was like just... Um, like a roadshow? You know, yeah, it would play at some this theater and then play at that at next one. So I'm trying to see. And I think in reality, like this will probably be number one going into... You think it's going to surpass... February. You, you think it's going to... Number one in like ever? No, no, like number one. Oh, on the box office, yeah. Box office up until February, I would guess. Like, I think most likely that Ant-Man movie is the only one that's probably, it has, like, that will take it out. And by the time that movie comes out, right, like, everybody's already going to be in their fifth fucking viewing of, of this film already, right? Yeah, and the more people you can get... So this was my issue. I don't know if it's even an issue. Like I said, with the original Avatar, I watched it in the theater. I was impressed. And I never watched the movie again. This one, same thing. I have no desire to go watch it again. Uh, do you know people that are watching it multiple times in the theater? Because, I mean, when I, I was in high school when uh, Titanic came out. And, like, my girlfriend at the time, I think she watched it, like, fucking 30 times in the theater. Like, that's why those numbers went so far. People just kept going back and back and back and back. Do you think that people are going to go and watch it multiple times in the theater? Like, do you know people that have watched it multiple times in the theater? I personally don't, but I can guarantee, yes, there are. Like, there's people that are all up for, you know, the blue kitty cats. But, and, and that's the thing. It's the same as Lord of the Rings, the same as Star Wars. It's it's a phenomenon that's really rare. Like, cause Cameron's one of them. Spielberg's the other and Lucas, right? Like they have these franchises. Oh, well, I guess you can say Peter Jackson with Lord of the Rings, 
where they have these franchises. Except that which... Lord of the Rings is not his franchise. Like he, like all the other ones are creators. Like they created their franchise. Yes, you know I mean? but I'm just saying, like you nowadays, you really don't you don't connect Tolkien to, in my opinion, you don't connect Tolkien to the movies. You connect Peter Jackson to the movies. Uh, okay, no, no, like do. books, yeah, books are all Tolkien, but even like the TV show and stuff like that, like it's all like, oh, you know, Jackson has to have a piece of it. Sure. Okay. I get right? you. So this film, uh, so far it's got a uh, BAFTA nods for sound and visual effects. Uh, critics, it's got critics choice n- nominations for picture directs, directing, cinematography, editing, production design and visual effects. Those are the two big ones. I don't count the golden golden globes cause they're fucking garbage and they're a pointless award. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Oscar nominations. Uh, I honestly think that this should be in best picture running. Cause I, if you've listened to our Oscar show last year, I kind of laid out the things you need in my opinion to be uh, objective about a best picture. It needs to have, you know, a solid director and acting screenplay editing like all of that the cinematography it needs to have all those which this definitely does um but then it usually needs to have one or both of two things grandiose it needs to be a big film or it needs to have emotional gravitas i'm thinking like parasite right parasite's not a big film but it's got like a hard-hitting emotional heart to it i would say that this has both of those things it's definitely big and it's definitely emotional like so for this not to get best best picture nods, and again, it should be one of the ones up for like really winning it. I and, and I don't even want to talk about the fucking Fablemans. This is this is if that fucking movie was made by any other person, it would be direct to fucking video. Anyway, um, the only reason I don't think that James Cameron's uh, Avatar two will get the love it deserves at the Oscars is because people are fucking assholes. Like they just want to be like, man, Avatar two didn't watch it didn't don't didn't even bother to go see it and they're gonna like fucking poo poo and be like but spielberg but spielberg it's like listen if i was fucking steven spielberg and i win the fucking oscar for best picture for the fablemans after doing stuff like schindler's list i'd feel like a fucking asshole anyway um so what you're saying is you are the academy (laughs) because let's be honest right now if this movie came out this year in which it would be nominated for technically 2024 now it's up against fucking nolan and oppenheimer you'd be like fuck james cameron and his little pussy cats like yes. nolan created Wait, his so own you're basically like, if this movie went up against different movies you would have a different opinion uh yes scott i would have a different opinion it, it's all about the films that come out in that no, year you, that's how there's why there's a cutoff though. you you're a bias you're biased for your directors Right. And, and that's the thing. The Academy is too. Like I, I said it before, like even like the last two fucking Oscar things we said, even before I even told you that Spielberg would get nominated for fucking West Side Story. It's just because it's Spielberg doing a musical that he's never done. He's going to get nominated. I'm like, that movie can be a piece of shit and he's going to get nominated. What happened? You got nominated. And then that year, the next year, I said, Spielberg's making a movie about his love of movies and how he became a director. What's going to get fucking nominated? Well, we'll see. But I think you're right. It's definitely going to get I'm I can almost guarantee it's going to get nominated. So, yeah, like I told you, there, there's no one more 
Hollywood. There's nothing that that loves itself more than Hollywood. So and Spielberg is like the definition of Hollywood. Yeah. Right. So, and a movie about like why films and theaters are so fucking important. And I haven't even watched it yet. So whatever, but I'm like, it's going to thing and it'll, it'll go over fucking Babylon because Babylon, like, and I haven't even watched oh, Babylon, Babylon is but I'm so like, good Babylon, too, man, but it's Fuck. all about the access and like fucking orgies and shit. Like it's, yes. it's the depiction of Hollywood no one wants anymore after me too yes yeah 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 they're like we like all that stuff we just can't admit that we like all that stuff yeah what's hollywood without orgies you know what i mean like it's not even hollywood anymore do they even make movies in hollywood um <laughs> well listen so the critics gave this a 77 percent. the audience gave it a 92 i could see that i mean the critics have some of the you know critiques i read I was like, what What are you expecting this movie to be? Like, yeah, are you expecting it to be fucking Schindler's List? Like, oh, it's not dramatic enough. I'm like, I fucking cried. Like, it's not. This movie, yeah. It's good. This movie, like, watching the movie and then going away with it uh, and thinking about it after a couple of days, this movie was technically, you know, Mel Gibson's The Patriot, except, you know, it's Blue Cats. You know, the father who and, was and, a yeah, war anti, veteran. Anti-imperialistic, anti-colonial yeah yeah and then the once once the one son gets fucking spoilers knocked <laughs> off you know daddy goes crazy and starts getting machine guns and now it's fucking go time uh, <laughs> like, so okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna my quote's gonna lead into what i have to say after so so brian tell teleco from uh, robert ebert.com uh this wildly entertaining film isn't a retread of avatar but a film in which fans can pick up thematic and even visual elements of titanic aliens the abyss and the Terminator films. And yeah, you're watching this movie, I would say more so than any of his other films, and you're like, this is a motherfucking James Cameron film. Because again, like I said, I just watched Aliens, and you're like, drop ships, same. Like, all the, like, tech, same. Buddy, they had the Titanic fucking ship that goes up. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. And this one, too. Yes, and so <laughs> like, oh, one, of the, one of the scenes that made me just think instantly of Aliens is so, like, the, the boat is sinking, and the young girl gets, like, sucked into, the, like, the water hole that's, like, dragging over there. And all I could think is her yelling, Ripley! <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, it, it's fucking Ripley, who, uh, Sigourney Weaver, who's getting sucked into the hole. No. Isn't it she the youngest goes, she, daughter? Oh, no, no, she's still, sorry, you're right. She's, she's the still, teenager. She's the one that saves them. That's right. Um... But yeah, like so much of it, you can feel like Aliens and other James Cameron movies, like just in like on full display. The fights, by the way, the fight choreography in this film is mind blowing. Like the those end fight scenes are fucking unreal. Yeah, and and I think like when it comes to awards time, this I think this one is gonna sweep. In terms of all the technical shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would be a fucking asshole to give it to anybody else. Other than... Although I do think Top Gun 2 is going to give it a run in certain categories, like cinematography. I I think Top Gun's going to be like, yeah, sound design and all that shit. But everything everywhere at once, too. I think those are going to be your front runners. Mm. I think think everything everywhere at once might actually win Best Picture. Yeah, it's what I picked. Yeah. Well, I guess whenever we do the Oscar episode, it's what I pick. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like all in all, this this film was entertaining. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. 
um yeah if you if you want to get your butt vibrated go do what chris did and hit some d boxes um but yeah like i think going in with lowered expectations made me enjoy it a lot more right yeah have low expectations uh you know have uh standards have them low but have them new yeah like every woman who meets chris on tinder and that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. Teslas and you know and L'Oreal forever yeah and L'Oreal's new skin cream line let's fucking we're fucking this I can't wait for the third one to find out what else in that in the fire boners people, forever like, that's what it is come on come on oh boners boners forever <laughs> there's gonna be some some uh some fire tiger that when you uh eat its butthole it gives you boners forever so Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.